in us. Preaching the gospel is how we think Christ should be revealed in us. But there is nothing about saving souls or preaching the gospel that manifests the nature of Christ. That is not a manifestation of the nature of Christ. Because before Jesus ever preached his first message, before he ever saved his first soul, before he ever did the first miracle, the Father spoke from heaven and said, Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Before he ever did any of that, God spoke from the heavens as a sign and a witness and said, This is my beloved Son. This is the one that is showing my nature. This is the manifestation of my spirit. And in him I am pleased. So we have to focus this morning on Christ, not your calling. You know, we hear a lot, make your calling and your election sure. Yeah, we have to do that, right? We have to guard it. But the focus when we come together as a body in prayer, and even really individually a lot of times, needs to be on Christ being formed in us. Right? That we can be as He is. And that's where I just feel like the Lord wants us to get our minds this morning is that if we're all pulling on different things, there is no way a move of God is ever going to happen. You're not going to get the Spirit of God to pour out His Spirit when this person's praying for this and this person's praying for this and this person's praying for this. He's like, well, what do you want me to do? I can give them that and I can give them that and I can give them that. And then you're all going to go out and guess what? You all got what you want, but <laughs> you got all these things, you know? Well, yeah, I got an anointing that'll save souls, and I got an understanding of the Word, and I got my body healed, and I got whatever, but my God, the church is still a mess. The church as a whole is still ineffectual, because you got this one doing their thing, and this one doing their thing, but you don't have a body that's come together, that's subjected to the Spirit of Christ, that's subjected to His leadership, and nobody is going to be effective, because the body's working in disarray. But God wants the body to come together. He wants us to seek for the unity of the faith. If you look at Ephesians 4, he said that he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the growth of the body of Christ until we all come in the unity of the faith. Well, if you're doing this thing and the other person's doing this thing, guess what? You're not submitted unto the leadership that God has put in the body. And until we submit, until we come to the place and find what that leadership is, until we acknowledge that people that speak by the unction of the Holy Ghost are actually ministers that God has ordained and God has set in place, then there will never be a church that comes forward. I mean, there will be a church that comes forward. It's whether or not you're going to be a part of it. Because there will be a church that comes forward. There will be. It's up to you if you want to be a part of it. That's what it means by make your calling and election. Sure, it means get in your place. Not focus your prayer all the time on your calling. It means get in your place, follow the working of the Spirit, and therefore your calling and election will be made sure. Does that make sense? So our focus this morning, it's got to be on what? On Christ. And I'm not, even, I'm not saying on what God wants because everybody got their own, has their own mind of what God wants. Everybody thinks they know what God wants. Everybody thinks they know. Well, God wants us to save souls. Well, God wants us to be witnesses. Well, God wants us to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel. God wants this and God wants that. 
forget all of that. Just forget all of that. Because we make we we take scripture how we want we think what God wants. We make whether you get it or not, a lot of times we say, Well, this is what God wants. Just focus on Christ. Just forget all of that. Focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. That's all you gotta do. Don't worry about God if God wants you to prophesy. My God, if He wants you to prophesy, then it'll happen. My God, don't try to force your religion down somebody's throat. He said, "Not in he in Hebrews." The Bible says, "Not all shall." Well, I'm not going to go there. Never mind, because <laughs> I'm going to mess up the scripture. Basically, it says, "Don't try to teach every man to know the Lord, because by the manifestation of Christ, every man will know the Lord." Don't try to force it, but. Anyways, our minds need to be focused on him this morning. I hope that makes sense. Is forget about everything else. Forget about it. Forget about everything else. Focus on Christ. Say, let your image, let your nature rest in me. Because that's really what he wants. Is he wants that nature. He wants that image. He wants reconciliation. He wants relationship. He, want, he wants there to be no separation between me and him. No separation. And that's possible. You know why that's possible? Because he rent the veil. When he was crucified, the veil was rent and torn from top to bottom. It was torn. He destroyed the separation. Before, this would be a lousy excuse, but it'll work. Before, whoops, before, you couldn't see the face of Jesus Christ. You could not, meaning you could not know who he was. If I was to do this, and I was just to see Austin's body, I probably wouldn't know it was Austin. But when I take that away, I can see his face. I know who he is. Well, that's the same thing it is with us and the Lord, is that before Jesus Christ, there was this, and you might not know who I was. But when that's taken away, it becomes manifest who he is. You begin to know. You see his face. You see his identity. And you can say, I know that is Jesus. You can say, I know that's Jesus. And so that's what, there is no separation. There's nothing that can separate us. There's nothing that can separate us anymore. The veil's been rent. So it's up, for us, up to us to say, I want to know you. I want to seek his face. I want to seek his face, Jason. And I not only want to seek his face, I want to find his face. Amen. You know, I was thinking about that in prayers that we sit here and say, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We say, seek his face. Well, you know what the scripture also says, seek and ye shall find. <laughs> Somewhere there's got to be a finding. Somewhere somebody's got to lay hold on something. Somewhere it's got to happen. If you're looking for something, you're eventually going to find it. So my God, seek his face and find it. Find it. If you want his nature, if you want who he is, find it. Seek and you will find. You're going to find it if you want it. If you seek Christ, you will find Christ. If you're seeking your calling, 
You'll find your calling. If you're seeking saving souls, you'll save some souls. Whatever you set your heart to seek, you'll lay hold on somewhere. But are you going to lay hold on Christ? It all comes down to what you're seeking. What's your purpose? What are you seeking? And that's why I said earlier, it comes down to every one of us, we have to focus our minds on Christ. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So if you're going to be effectually fervent in your own thing, you'll get your own thing. But if the body is going to be effectually fervent on finding the kingdom of God, then the kingdom of God will come in. Kingdom of God will come. It's just up to us to get in our place and find it. Amen? Does that make sense? That's what he wants for us. That's what he wants. So we just got to we gotta forget who we are. Forget about our, ourselves. I mean, we just got to forget about ourselves. That's pretty much all it comes down to is forget about yourself. Forget, forget about who you are. Forget about what you know. Forget about what you think you know. Because none of that is Christ. None of that's Christ. So, I mean, that's, that's where I feel like we're at this morning. That's where I feel like we need to go. That's where I feel like we need to go, and I, I just don't see anything else happening until we get our minds and our spirits focused on Christ. Amen? So, that's it. I guess I'm used to being short-winded. I don't know. <laughs> I've gotten trained up to be short-winded. <laughs> so... I don't know, if Brother Michael, Mom, do y'all, either of you feel? We're just going to keep reaching out to the Lord this morning. That's good instruction. That's good instruction to focus. You know, I was talking last night about seeking first the kingdom of God, and that is what we have to do. I mentioned, you know, about the, I did it with my intention of, you know, seeking all the other things. And I don't think I ever added in there. But, you know, along the way, God's added all those other things. But I lost focus on that. They, when, when Christ takes hold of your heart, you truly start seeking him first. But let's just take a couple minutes here and reach out. Make sure we're in that mind of his spirit this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for this time to come together as the body. Lord, you said that you were going to, in your word, that you would bring all things together in one, God. You bring it together in one, God. One mind. Lord, the mind of Christ. Lord, that mind of your spirit, Lord. You bring us together as a body. Lord, and you've spoken and said that you were bringing the body of Christ together all over the world, Lord. You bring it together, God, and you let this body fit in to where it needs to fit into in the body of Christ as a whole, Lord. Every joint supplieth. Oh, Lord, there's been many promises made in this area, Lord. There's many promises made for this church, God, in this body of people, and you help us today to set our hearts on it, to set our minds on it, to set our focus on it. God, I reach out to you, Lord. Lord, you give us your wisdom, Lord. Set your hearts on him now. Come on and reach out to him. Set your hearts on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory be to your name, Jesus. Help us to go into the new. Hallelujah. Help us to go into the new. God, I thank you for it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that there is something new that God has for us? 
Do you really believe that? I want you to think through the Word of God. Do you believe that there's a latter day move of God, that there's something? that? Do you believe the book of Acts? You don't have to answer me. I want you to just think. We're in the, getting in the mind of the Spirit here, so we're going to pull them all, all of it together. Do you believe that the book of Acts was the end of what God, His plan? Or was that the beginning? Okay. So we believe then, and we know, not, we know there's something beyond the book of Acts. Okay. Has the end of time come yet? Okay. So therefore there's this space between the beginning of the church and the end of time. Well, this is where we are. So the something new has not happened yet, has it? Something more is to come. So when we believe that, that's part of what Christopher was talking about, that pressing for. So many times I'm going to take two areas today and see uh, how we go before pastor comes or however the Lord moves next. Uh, but just things that were in my spirit in prayer. That's why it takes the body of Christ. It takes all of us. Every one of us has a place and something to do in the body of Christ. But if you if you go and you think that, okay, so that if that was the beginning, and they did their part, they laid that foundation and they established, well, all through the generations there's been a move of God going, but this is where we are today. Okay, do we believe, we got to believe that it's meant for us to lay hold on this promise and we've got to seek for it. And the scripture that came to my mind, everybody talks about something new, but they don't want to do it new. They want to do the new. There's a song. There's a new move of God in an old-fashioned way. I'm like, I, something to that effect. That, that, I'm, that doesn't work. That's not a new move of God. That's the old move of God with a refresh. That's not new. Jesus, the, the Scripture tells us when you first drink the new wine, you don't like it. You prefer the old. Does that mean the old wine is better? That's the Word. Not me. That's the Word. Okay. So when the new move of the Spirit of God starts coming, if you constantly, every time He gives you the dribble, this is going to parallel right what you were talking about, Logan eating the, the meat and the food. This goes right along with that. Logan spits that food out because he doesn't like the lumps. He still wants the... But you know what? Before he even knows it, his in nature is going to make him start chewing. And he isn't even going to know it. But he doesn't, he's thinking he doesn't want those pieces in his mouth. He doesn't know. Eventually he's going to have to chew if he's going to become an adult. If he doesn't, there's something wrong with him. So with the wine. So if we always want to fall back to the old wine... What are we going to do when the old wine runs out? You don't think that'll happen? You don't think you don't think an old move of God had run out? Has the day of Pentecost run out? I think it has. I think if it wasn't happening, and if you weren't born in that generation, and you weren't a Jew in the upper room, you had to be a Jew. That was sent to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles. You don't tell me that dispensation has run out. The old wine will run out. 
If we're just hanging on, why? You know why? Because if Whitney doesn't cut the milk off and the baby food from Logan, if she doesn't finally say, tough it up, boy, you're not getting another bottle. You're now going to drink from a cup. If God doesn't cut that old wine off, we're never going to be forced to seek for the new. You can get apple wine, cherry wine, fake wine, whatever you want, wine in a box, whatever, but it won't be real wine. You can have fake, but it won't be the real. When he's cut the old wine off, you've got to come to the new. And that's where our minds have got to be. Our minds have got to be seeking for that new wine. That new wine. I know it's different. We don't like it, but it's different. But it's great. This is what we need. And the new wine's not more of the old. And that's really something we've got to work on in our habits, our rituals. I have a prayer ritual. It's a, it's a discipline. I'm a, y'all hang on to that word. Don't flip out when I say ritual. But there are things in my relationship with the Lord through the years in my discipline with Him that I use to help myself to get into that place of prayer. Do I have to have it? No. But there's just something when I fall on my knees, it's just a place I go to. But you know what? When God starts not letting that work for you, you better start finding you a new way to pray. And then you fake it and you force it and the words and you're making up words. You're just saying words. The Lord gave me that scripture yesterday. The heathen think they are heard for their many words. We think that we're heard for our many words. So the Lord is teaching us. I feel that instruction. I feel that instruction this morning of teaching so we got to let God change us. I've had to change the way that I pray. Y'all, when we left here in Fort Payne, well, that's maturity and growth. Your tongue should change. If, you, if the Lord has allowed you to speak in tongues in the past, you know, if that's part of, of something he's placed in you, then that should change and mature and grow. Just like a baby grows and talks. Logan can't do what Raylan can do, but Raylan can't do what Isabella can do. Right? These are maturity things. He takes us from faith to faith. So let him work in your life. Let him work in your relationship, in your prayer, in your seeking him. When we first left Fort Payne, we, during that time before we left Fort, Fort Payne, that season was, a, though so not everybody was here, but when we were, there was a heavy working of the Spirit of God, prayer, Ooh, we we would go to high places, places I had never been in the Spirit of God. I know those that were here will remember that. It was like you feel like a rock star in Jesus. He just, man, he was working stuff. He was, that's a natural connotation, but you know what I mean? Those glories, those, he was mature and perfected. We didn't know we fixed to all be busted up and separated. We didn't know what lay ahead. We were pressing for the kingdom, were we not? Come on, talk about that one mind and one accord. Buddy, we were in here every service and we were laboring for one thing. What? To bring forth Christ within us. Was that not what we were seeking for? And that's how come God was taking us higher and higher. I believe with all my heart we were that close to it. He had to bust it up because he was going to have to honor that prayer. He was going to have to honor it. And he says, it's not time yet. It wasn't time. 
He had to bust it up, and he did. And he sent us all these other ways because he had other villages and cities to go to. He's got other places to establish this word. But there was a place in prayer we were coming to at that time. There was a groove. There was a thing. And I tell you, when we left Fort Payne, it was mighty hard on me to go up there in L.J., Georgia, and get out on my knees. I wanted that prayer that I had in that chair. That's what I wanted. But God didn't give it to me. Oh, it made me mad. I blamed it on the people. I blamed it on the spirit of L.J., the hardness in the area. I blamed it on everything. I wanted that prayer back. He said, no, you're going to find me in a new way. Oh, I cried. That was a loss to me. That had become a God to me. Do you know that's not pleasing to him? My worship, not this kind of worship, but that worship had become a God to me. I couldn't believe it. That's religion. Look how quickly religion can slip in your relationship with God. And I know we were on target, but yet somehow religion, for me, I'm not putting on anybody else. This is my story. And I'm proud of it because my story is what makes me. And we got up there in L.A.J. I mean, it's like I couldn't find a prayer. I prayed every pray, every way I knew to pray. I couldn't pray with nothing working. <laughs> wow was an understatement. <laughs> was God with me? Absolutely. Was He moving in my life? 100%. Was there an anointing when He would move me into the pulpit? Absolutely. But my prayer? Not happening. Didn't matter. I sought him and I sought him. I tried everything. I tried those spaghetti prayers that Pastor talked about. I tried everything. I tried walking. I tried running. I tried screaming. I tried everything. And I needed, I had to do all of it. Because I had to get out of myself. And I had to humble myself. And I had to come back to square one and say, it's Christ and Christ alone. It's not a prayer life. It's not a move of God. It's Christ and Christ alone. Letting Christ. It's not a ministry. That's what Christopher was talking about. If you're not careful, you'll seek a prayer life. Does that make sense? Does, does that make sense? He was ministry. You'll seek a prayer life. You'll seek a relationship. What, what you think a move of God is. What did God speak yesterday morning? He said, you think you know my heart? All those words that come out of your mouth, many times, not every time, because there's sometimes, oh, those wells come up from your, from within. And they're driven by the Spirit of God. But many times all those words that come up out of us are what we think the heart of God is. That's the very thing the Lord spoke in prophecy yesterday morning. You think that's my heart. That's what you've been told is my heart. That's what you think is my heart. That's exactly, you weren't even here. You don't know what the Lord spoke yesterday morning, but it paralleled right with it. Does it not, Brother Michael? He said, you think you know the heart of God. But you don't. But when you're still... So I had to humble myself again and again, and that's what we have to do. It's about Christ. And Christ being formed in you. His will... 
It's not about how great your prayer is. That's the Pharisees. It's not about that. It's about Christ. So, it was hard for me to leave that old. I didn't like that old new what felt like stale prayer I was going into in L.A.J. I'm telling you the honest truth. I didn't like it, but I knew it's what I needed. And praise God, it has taught me. Just like Christopher just said, he got it out in a nutshell. He said he's used to cut to the chase. And you know what? Lord spoke yesterday and said the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, is a short prayer. His ex- disciples, Lord teaches to pray, what did he do? Six lines or whatever, how many sentences that is in there? He didn't read a book. He did that. And that's what he's part of what he spoke yesterday was he, when he went out to the, and I'm going to turn it to pastor, but when he went out to the wilderness to pray, he listened to the Father. You think that, you think Jesus went out there and just blah, blah, blah all night long? I think he was listening to instruction. So when he got up the next morning and went into town, he knew where the woman at the well was going to be. He knew when that when that widow was coming down that street with the dead son. He knew that woman was going to touch the hem of his garment. He knew where blind Bartimaeus was going to be. He knew every one of them because he had been in the, the Father listening. And Father said, look here, this is how you're going to do this. I'm telling you, you got this in you. Now you're going to go out there. You're my son. And you're going to go out there and you're going to, Raise that dead boy. You're going to raise that dead girl. You're going to. And now they're going to all mock you. I want you to be prepared. They're going to mock you. I want you to get ready. But So what you're going to do is you're going to put them all out of the room except Peter, James, and John. You think he's thinking on the fly all the time? No. God's giving him instruction. And he wants to give us instruction in prayer. You think he won't order our steps like that? I'm banking on it. Are you kidding me? I don't want to have to hear a crowd all around and try to hear the voice of God. I want to know already when I go out that morning. All right, this here. You're going down here, and I know when I get there. I might not know what she looks like, but God's going to let me find her, and I'm going to know exactly what to pray. You don't think? Come on. We've got to get real. We've got to think about God. We've got to think about Jesus as our example. He was our example. This is different. The old move of God is dead. It will not work like that anymore. It won't. It's no flash in the pan. It's no big eye, big shot. It's no, it's not. It's just not the old. It's the new. And the only way I'm going to know that all we know is the old. Till God teaches us the new. And unless you're ready to learn the new, you're not going to learn it. So we got to open our eyes and open. Hey, thank God if you don't know the old, praise God. Come on in the new because it will be great. I only know a part of the old. That's a true story. Sister Pat, my husband, they were in. Others, I'm not me. I didn't come up that way. Things were pretty much dead by the time I came in. So... I don't do, I don't know that. I've heard of it, but I didn't live it. Hallelujah. This is for me today. This is for me. So I left my good old Fort Payne prayer that I love so much. I went to old dead Ella J prayer on a hardwood bench on a hardwood floor with air conditioning, excuse me, that hardly worked. <laughs> but you know what? God began making me anew. 
and making me fresh. And I thank God for that. So my encouragement today, find Him anew. Don't worry because your old prayer's not working. Thank Him that He's kicking you forward, kicking you out of the nest, and He's forcing, He's force-feeding that new wine because He wants you to have that new wine. Don't fall back to the old. Press into the new. I'm telling you, you're not going to like it at first. But I tell you, you will find something. Old wine you got drunk, new wine you got drunk. Now, the drunk might feel the same. So when you get on in that new wine prayer, you're going to feel that new wine drunk, and it's going to be familiar because it's in the Spirit of God. That's where your familiarity is. I hope that makes sense to you today. Let's leave that old behind. The Lord's told us there's a course correction for the church. We're on a whole new path. That means you know like the shoreline you're headed for is not the same anymore. You might have been charted that way and you saw mountains and beautiful things, but this time you might be headed to a beach or something. I don't know. Your, your, your landscape, your horizon looks different when you change course correction. Look, stars are different in the sky. All of it. A lot of parallels there. So let's set our eyes on this new wine today. Let the old go. Let it go. And let's press into the new. And if you don't know what that means, then just start pressing. That's good too. Because that means you probably ain't got no old to let go of. <laughs> just press on in. Seek Him first. Seek Him first. Because He desires at this time to make Himself real in the new way for this generation. It's going to be different. Y'all, let's stand on our feet. And let's get ready. Let's just reach out to the Lord a second as our pastor gets ready to take us further in the service today. If you can't acknowledge that the church has come to a dead end and that we've got to have a visitation of the Spirit of God, then God can't help you. All that's happening right now is preachers are remanufacturing messages and trying to save the church. That's all that's going on right now. Now, I don't know about you, but people have come to the end of their faith. It's like I said the other night, people are praying spaghetti prayers. If y'all want to know what that means, spaghetti gets done if you throw it against the wall, it stick. And people are throwing everything in the world against the wall to see what sticks. Preachers don't know what to do. They absolutely don't know what to do. And there's got to be a visitation. There's got to be a visitation. That's why we've got to set our heart to seek God, to restore when I say restore, I ain't talking about anything the church has ever had in our lifetime. I ain't talking about Wigglesworth. I ain't talking about Azusa Street. I ain't talking about Roberts or Allen or Coe or the Healing Revival. I'm talking about there has got to be a restoring of what fell at Pentecost to reestablish the church and then take us forward from there. That was the foundation of the church. 
But after that dispensation died out, the church never went nowhere. And all people tried to do is recreate. Recreate. And they got off track preaching the Holy Ghost's tongues. Oh, that probably didn't go over too good. That's all right. I know people that God's changed their life. They never spoke in tongues. And some of them told me, I don't know that I'll ever speak in tongues, but they know God changed their life. They know the fruit of the Spirit began to be made manifest in them. So we got to, you know, I, I said it many times when I was here pastoring. I said, I wish I could reach inside y'all's head and deprogram y'all and get all this religion out of you and get all these doctrines of men out of you and just get you to seek God afresh because that's where we're at and that's what we got to do right now. we got to seek God afresh. Amen? we got to seek God afresh. And I may say some things today you've never heard. I may say some things make you mad. I may say some things you don't believe in. But there's one thing about it. If you'll listen to me, I can help you. I can help you. Because God's real in my life. The miracle working power is still there. The deliverance is still there. The desire to possess Christ and having manifest in my mortal flesh is still there. And that's what I'm... I'm fighting for. I want to ask y'all a question. Has anybody ever quoted the scripture in Philippians that part three that Paul quoted and said, "I press toward the mark"? You ever quoted that? Do you know what the mark is? Do you know what the mark is? Do y'all know what the mark? Does anybody know what the mark is? See, we we, we say things out of habit. Philippians 3 and 10. Paul said, I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. That's the mark. That the full power of the resurrected Christ would take its abode in Him. People don't even people quote scriptures don't even know what they mean. That's the mark. That's the mark I'm fighting for and pressing for. I want to know him. And it's like I preached last night, and y'all may not follow what I was saying last night, but the sufferings is what matures you. It's what settles you and establishes you and gives you faith and strength in God. To move forward. God's put a faith in me because when God speaks to me, I don't have to go ask somebody, was that God? Sister Harris, when God speaks to me, I'll step out on a limb and declare God's Word. I don't care who likes it and who doesn't. And what it rubs and what it goes against. Now those of you here that know me, you ought to give a good amen. Because I'm not conformed to man's doctrine. I hate doctrine. 
I hate man's teachings. Because all man's teachings does is bind people up. That's all it does. Brother Harris, if you'll listen to me, I can help you. I tell you before God is a servant of the Lord, I can help you come out from under because all this is an oppressing and accusing force of hell and you can come out from under it. This word and the Spirit will bring you out from under this if you will listen to my instruction. But you know, I am, we fix and pray and I'll let you be seated here in just a minute. But I had a man tell me here a while back, I had to pull aside for two months. I was physically exhausted. And I had to pull aside for two months, and I didn't minister for two months. And I had some people went to my church up at L.A.J., and they the responsibility of taking care of some things up there fell on them. And I was out about two weeks, and he called me and was talking to me. He said, you know, he said, I used to just come to church, listen to you preach. Whatever I liked, I took. Whatever I didn't, I just left it alone. He said, but now that the responsibilities fell on me, he said, I'm seeing things different. I mean, honest, just told me. He said, whatever you preach and I like, I'd take it. If I didn't like it, he said, I didn't want it. You don't pick and choose the Word of God. You don't pick and choose what suits your flesh. You either take the whole counsel of God and you live by all God's Word. Or there will be a day you'll bust hell wide open. That's just plain as it gets. That's like people today. They go around looking for a church that pleases their flesh. I mean, I've had people come to church up there in LJ and say, well, we're looking for a church that we like. I said, wrong church. I said, because this word will tear you high up. You don't search for a church to please your flesh. You search for a church where God's put you. If God's put you there, you better stay there. Amen. It's like when uh, Hagar conceived Ishmael. When Ishmael was young, Sarah got rough with her. And she fled from the face of Sarah. Got out there in the desert nearly died. And the angel of the Lord spoke to her, said, What you doing out here? She said, My master uh, my my mistress has been hard on me. She said, You go back and submit yourself. Go back and submit yourself. See, we don't want anything that'll purge us. We don't want anything that'll make our flesh mad. This word that I preach gets down in you and makes your flesh mad. Ask me if I care. Because I'll tell you right flat out, I don't care. If I can make your flesh mad and cause your soul to get awakened and you set your heart to seek God and God and change you, I'll make you mad seven days a week and three times on Sunday. Don't care. Because your flesh is your hindrance. Your carnal mind's what's keeping you from entering on in. You want to serve God the way you want to is what's going to destroy your soul. We've got to have the Word. We've got to have it straight. I don't know how many of y'all can feel this, but there's a presence of God in this place. It didn't go in the high in prayer like we wanted. It didn't go high in worship. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a presence of God here. You can just feel it's a, just like a settling 
peace. But let's go to prayer. I really feel the working of the... And don't y'all forget the service tonight. I was in prayer yesterday or last night, and I really felt to come back and teach tonight. It's nothing that was scheduled, but I really felt to come back and teach tonight on the book of Joel. And we're going to be right over here at 7 o'clock in the fellowship hall. And I'm going to teach you on the book of Joel what God's opened my understanding to. And it's going to be different than anything you've ever heard. I guarantee you what's going to line up with the Word. Because see, when God gives me something, it lines up. Line upon line and precept upon precept. You may not like it, but it's the Word. Amen. Let's talk to the Lord. Father, by your name, Jesus, we come before you. Now, ask for your goodness and your mercy, your wisdom and your understanding to be given in this place today. Lord, we need your strength. We need your wisdom and your understanding. God, the church is at an impasse. People don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. Lord, people's even come to the place they're questioning what's right and what's wrong. Debating your word, trying to figure out. God, what they need to believe and don't believe. We've got to have a visitation, Master, of your Spirit that's going to ground us and establish us and settle us in the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Open our understanding to your Word and the moving of your Spirit. Let your name, Jesus, be magnified. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. And I'm I'm fixing to get into the Word. And it was, and I may touch on this this morning, I don't know, but it's back in 2010. I preached a message. And buddy, I, I stirred some things up. I was in a minister's meeting, and I stirred some things up, and I had a preacher stand up against me. And if he had been in my service, in my church, I'd have taken him to task. But it happened was in somebody else's church. And I wasn't going to argue with him in somebody else's church. And I just let him have his say. But if he had been in my meeting, ooh, Lordy, it wouldn't have never done. But anyway, we come back home from that meeting. And I come in the house one day, and my wife was sitting in the dining room, had the whole dining room table, one end of it, with Bibles, concordances, books, spread out on the table, had her notepad out. And she was studying, and I stopped, and I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to find out what I believe. She said, because what you preached, she said, that's not what I was taught. I said, okay. So for about, what, three weeks to a month? I mean, hours every day. She was in that Word studying, and I'd come in the house. She'd say, come here. I said, okay. She said, read that right there. I'd read it. She said, what's that right there mean? I'd tell her. She said, that ain't what I was taught. I said, I don't care what you taught. What's the Word say? What's the Word say? Finally, we got down to the bottom of the matter, and the Lord started opening her understanding on some things. She asked me one more time. 
She said, what's that mean? I told her, she said, that ain't what I thought. I looked at her, she said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. What's the word say? That ain't what you taught. There's good men have taught things wrong in zeal. We gotta have understanding of what's thus saith the Lord. Amen. We gotta have understanding. And I have caught a lot of flack on things I've preached because it didn't line up with what had been taught. But I know when God speaks to me. And I'm going to tell you something. It takes some backbone to buck the church system and to go against what everybody believes. But you're looking at one fellow that will do it. God shows me something ain't right. There's a lot of people that when I first started teaching on the kingdom and bringing out revelations, bringing out different things about what God had showed me, but you're talking about people sitting down putting their feet in the mud. I love this man right here like a brother. He pastors this church. But when I started preaching the kingdom, he didn't understand it. He'll tell you he didn't understand it. And he had preachers try to pull him away. Get him come work with them. And I knew God had put him here. He knew God had put him here. And he went through several weeks of wrestling with the Word. And I told my wife, I said, well, Michael's in a warfare. And I said, he's wrestling with this Word. She said, you going to say anything to him? I said, nope. He's going to seek God, and God's going to reveal it to him. He's going to stick it out and walk it out, because God's trying him. I didn't say a word to you, did I? And the devil come that close to getting him to walk away from this word. And he finally he's in prayer, talking to the Lord about it. And I think the Lord asked him, he said, did I put you there? He said, yes, sir. He said, did I tell you to leave? He said, no, sir. He said, now, I guess you better stay where I put you. And then God started opening this word of the kingdom to him. It's giving him a great revelation and an understanding of what God's revealing. But see, you ain't going to understand this in the carnal mind. You ain't going to understand this in the carnal mind. And you cannot destroy the carnal mind through fasting and prayer. You can't do it. You can subdue the natural man. But you cannot destroy him. It takes the spirit of the resurrected Christ taking his abode inside of you to put the carnal man to death. The carnal mind's a spirit, whether y'all know it or not. It's a spirit, the spirit of enmity. And you can't you can't fast it to death, you can't pray it to death. The spirit of Christ has got to move in and take its abode in you, and that's what'll put it to death. That's what will put it to death. Nothing else is going to do it. Because I, if you get it by fasting and prayer, I'd have got it. So would some other preachers. Because I fasted and prayed through the 70s and into the 80s and the 90s. And I didn't have no wisdom in some of my fasting. I about killed my fool self a couple of times. I mean, when you fast 60 plus days, 
Now, I ain't talking about fasting until uh, the sun goes down and eating. I'm talking about doing without food for 60 plus days. I mean, I think one of them was, what, 65, 66, got way on up there. And I got to where I was spitting up green slice coming out of my liver bile, and I was spitting it up, got to where I couldn't even drink water. And she called some preachers to start praying for me. And I went and talked to a man I knew that had done a lot of fasting. First thing he asked me, he said, you afraid to die? I said, not the least. He said, then God's going to visit you. And God visited me and changed my life. I went up to a house in South Carolina a lady had up there on the lake. Nobody lived in it. I asked her if I could stay in it and finish my fast. And I had a dream that I was asleep in the bedroom and I rolled over on my right side. When you look out, you look out over the lake and the sun was coming up over the lake. And in that dream, Jesus stepped in the room, took me by my feet and started ministering to me. Well, about seven, eight, ten days after I had that dream, I was in that bed and I rolled over on my right side, looked out that window, the sun was coming up over that lake. Spirit of the Lord came in that room, stayed with me three days, Brother Harris. Never saw him. But what he ministered into me changed my life and put this faith in this deliverance, and these miracles and this revelation. Changed ministry, changed my life, and that was in, I think, 88. God changed me. I was having miracles, but something changed in me because I, I, I drove it to the point of death. But my whole point is, once I begin to eat, that carnal man come back alive. So fasting prayer don't kill you. It'll subdue it, but it ain't going to kill it. There's got to be a measure of the Christ revealed in us to put the carnal man to death. That's what, that's, this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I know there was a lot more people used to be, or were supposed to be here, but I think God's got here who He wants here. Because I feel like God wants to reveal something to us today. And I'm going to tell you, I got such an expectation of the service tonight. It wouldn't surprise me. God pour out a measure of the Holy Ghost in that fellowship hall tonight as we begin to teach on the book of Joel, but I'm going to Matthew, the 20th chapter, and I'm going to start at the 20th verse. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him, and he said unto her, What will thou? She said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said unto him, We are able. And he said unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. 
Now go with me to Luke 12. And I'm going to verse 49. I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened till it shall be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on the earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house, divided three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, and the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, and the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now I want you to go with me to Romans the 6th chapter. And I'm praying God's going to give me the wisdom to break this down. Because when you understand something sometime, you can preach it knowing you understand it. And believe in everybody else's understanding it. But everybody else ain't getting it. <laughs> this is the best tool right here God give me when it comes to the Word. Because I will tell her what God showed me and we'll start talking. And she says, now. She said, I'm going to tell you what people are going to say when you start preaching it. And how they're going to think. She said, I'm going to play the devil's advocate. And that's good. Because when God reveals something to me and I get a hold of it, sometimes I don't know why you don't see it and understand it. And she can let the air out of my balloon faster than anybody. But it's good. It's necessary. Because it makes me back down and rethink. Are y'all with me? Romans the sixth chapter. Let's look at the first verse. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. Now this is not water baptism. I don't care what church is taught. Church is taught that you go down in water, you're buried in a watery grave, and you're buried with Jesus, and you're going to be resurrected with Him. You ain't got no scripture for that. This is talking about baptism of the Holy Ghost. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should be should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection 
knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, what I want to talk to you on this morning is being baptized into Christ. Like I said, I'm probably going to get in some things you don't believe, you've never heard. But if you listen, I was right there on my knees at that chair on January the 2nd, 2016. We were in meeting here. I don't know how many people was here. I guess church probably half full. Pretty fair crowd here, best I remember. And I was right there on my knees praying. And the voice of the Lord spoke to me. He said, there is a difference between the baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire and being baptized into my death. And I went on and prayed a few more minutes, and that was kicking around in my spirit. And I stopped and I said, what did you say? Did I lose y'all? Stay with me. He said, there's a difference between baptized in the Holy Ghost and the tongues of fire and being baptized into my death. Any of y'all believe Acts 2 on the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Y'all believe that? Y'all believe they were endued with power? Do y'all believe that what the church is centered on has been power to do miracles? Power to have signs and wonders and to speak in tongues and to be gifted. But there has been nothing in our generation that would kill the sin nature. They ain't been there. They got an earnest of it on the day of Pentecost, but that was that generation... We've not had it. Therefore, when Paul is saying here about being baptized with him and being baptized into his death, he's not talking about being baptized with the Holy Ghost and tongues of fire. He's talking about receiving a baptism that's going to destroy the body of sin or the sin nature. Any of y'all dead to sin? Y'all won't see your hands. You dead to sin? Well, Brother Matter, I don't practice sin. I don't practice it either, but that sin nature's still alive. You don't believe that sin nature's still alive? But somebody stir your flesh up. Somebody stir your flesh up. Let somebody lie straight to your face or, or steal from your, cast your name out as evil. Tell you what, brother, I'll just lay my salvation robe off and we'll step outside and we'll try a little one another on. Is that not the way people are? And it's simply because we have not been told there's a that is going to baptize us into the very death of Christ that will kill our sin nature.
It's not been taught. We've been taught that when we get the Holy Ghost, we got it all. I've seen people leave church because they couldn't overcome the sin nature. Because they was taught when they got the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues, they got everything they needed. I'm telling you, you didn't get it. And I'm telling you, you ought to know that your carnal man and your sin nature is still just alive as it was the day you got saved. Ooh, it's quiet in here today. Let's look at what Scripture says. See, ain't what you've been taught. What does the Word say? If y'all want me to, I'll let my wife preach this. Was you raised in church? You ever heard anybody preach like this? That's because it's not preached. Because we have been taught when we got the Holy Ghost, we got everything we needed. But I have had people leave church because they couldn't overcome the sin nature. They could not overcome the carnal man. And they'd go and they'd talk to the pastor. Well, you got everything you need. Well, if I've got everything I need, why can't I overcome this sin nature? What did you get the Holy Ghost? Well, I don't know. I've said a few words in tongues. Well, you got the Holy Ghost. You ought to be able to overcome. There is a difference between a measure of the Holy Ghost to do miracles, signs, and wonders and be gifted than there is to kill the sin nature. Different baptism. Brother Matthew, you tell me it's a different baptism? Let's look at what it says. Let's look at what it says. What? In the Holy Ghost and tongues of fire and being baptized into His death. The Holy Ghost and tongues of fire gave the church the power to do miracles. To be gifted. Hebrews 2 and 4. says, God also bearing them witness... With divers tongues, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost. Something of that manner. Is that not what it says? Pretty close. So that measure of the Holy Ghost that came on the day of Pentecost, they did receive a measure to be baptized into His death. But our generation, that was the former rain. All our generation has ever received is the rain, which is the power to do miracles. We have not yet received the former rain. But we're fixing to get the point. And let me explain something to you. Maybe this will help. Brother Harris, you know the word pretty good. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, and I believe it's 1 in 22. It might be 2 Corinthians. But he said we have received an earnest of the Spirit. Earnest means a measure or a portion. Y'all following what I'm saying? Now, I'm going to say something y'all probably ain't never heard anybody say. And I'm not trying to confuse you. But in Joel 2.23, the Lord talked about, He said, For you have received the former rain moderately. Or moderately means in a measure. 
So, the early church received the former rain, but they didn't get all of it. Y'all hear what I said? They only got it moderately. Paul said we only got an earnest. So we didn't get it all. We only got a portion of it. So, the Lord told me back last August, He said there is a fullness of the former rain yet to come. And Brother Michael found an article and emailed it to me. Any of y'all ever heard of Maria Woodworth Edder? Great woman of God in the 19, late 1800s, 1900s. And in 1913, she had great miracles, great deliverance. She walked out the edge of a cornfield and stood on a stump, raised her hand to heaven, and the Spirit of God froze her. And she stayed in that position I don't know how long. I mean hours. And when the Spirit of God turned her loose, she began to prophesy the word of the Lord. And she prophesied what they called the hundred-year prophecy. Because she said in, a, in about a hundred years, she said there's going to be an act of God that's going to bring in the fullness of the former rain. And he said, Brother Metter, I've never heard anybody say that, but you. Yeah, she's got a website. You can go look it up. But when that Spirit come on her, For miles, people got slayed in the Holy Ghost. Repented and got saved, and they wasn't even around her. The Spirit of God hit so hard. And she she had great miracles. She had great revivals. But she prophesied that in around a hundred years, God was going to pour out the fullness of of the former rain, because if what Paul taught is right, if what Joel taught is right, we only received an earnest of the former rain. I ain't never heard no such. Well, what does the Word say? Did you look that up about, Paul said we've received an earnest? Is it in 1 Corinthians? Okay, let me see if I can find it. It's either in 1 Corinthians one twenty two or 2 Corinthians one twenty two, if I remember right. Let me see if I can find it. If I can't, we'll look it up on a computer. Yeah. 2 Corinthians, 1st chapter, 22nd verse, who has sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our heart. Earnest is a down payment or a portion. You go buy a car, they want a down payment. You go buy a house, they want a down payment. You go to money to borrow, uh, the bank to borrow money, say, we won't borrow 80000 to build a house. All right, we want 20% earnest money. Is that right? So, an earnest is a down payment to get the rest. So we've only been given an earnest of the former rain. I can't get an amen. Somebody give me an old me. But see, we ain't never been taught this. We've been taught when the Holy Ghost came, we got it all. People have been taught in this generation, they got what happened on the day of Pentecost, but there ain't never been a manifestation of it. Y'all ever seen a book of Acts church in our time? 
You ever seen somebody walk down the street and they knew this coming to town and they laid the sick on the street where if by any means their shadow going over might heal them, raise them up? You ever seen anybody walk up to a lame man and snatch him up on his feet? You ever seen anybody raise the dead? You ever seen anybody preach and 3,000 get saved? This is what we're coming to. And I'm going to get into this tonight, but in verse 25 of Joel chapter 2, he said, and I will restore to you the years. Man, have we preached the Holy Ghost off of them scriptures. So, what was he going to restore? Was he going to restore the law? Mm-mm. You read those scriptures? What do you believe it means? And I'll restore to you the years. What do you believe it means? We preached it as a restoring of the Holy Ghost. Well, if that was a restoring of the Holy Ghost, and I'll get into this tonight, that was verse 25. That means if the Holy Ghost is going to be restored in verse 25, then y'all tell me what 228 means. What does 2.28 say? For it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. So if, if the Holy Ghost was being restored in 2.25, then he, he couldn't have waited 2.28 to pour it out. This word will mess with you. But I'm not going to get into that now. We have got to have a baptism that's going to baptize us into the death of Christ. If we're going forward, we got to have it. If we ain't, we can stay right where we are and keep doing what we're doing, shouting, talking in tongues, a little bit of prophecy here, a little bit of healing there, a little bit of shout here, a little bit of... Nobody getting saved, nobody getting delivered, nobody really getting strengthened or encouraged. You talk to people, boy, did we have a move of... God today, yeah, what happened? Man, we shouted and cried and wept, talking tongues and snotted all over the church. We had a move of God. Well, what changed? What changed in people? See, the devil's blinded us. and made us think we got something going on that we ain't got going on. I ain't going to say every now and then somebody might not get saved or God might not help somebody. But the Bible says in Acts 2, the very last verse, that such as should be saved was added to the church daily. Man, we don't see folks added to the church yearly, much less daily. People are discouraged. They're fed up. They're disgusted. They're tired of fighting. They're tired of praying. They're tired of trying. They're tired of striving. They're tired of doing good uh, in well-doing. They're getting weary in well-doing because the working of the Spirit of God that was in that generation has lifted and nothing new has come. We've got to have something to take us forward. Don't tell me you can't understand what I'm preaching Preachers don't know what to preach anymore. So they'll come out and crank up the music. 
Oh, man, they come out of that song years ago. I hated that thing. Crank up the music. Let's have church. See, that's what folks think church is. Crank up the music. Let's have church. Let's run the aisles. Let's shout. Let's talk in tongues. Let's weep. Let's cry. Let me tell you something. If I want to weep and cry and get emotional, I'll go rent Lassie Come Home. And I'll sit in my living room and watch Lassie Come Home. And that's a tearjerker. I can sit there and cry watching Lassie Come Home, Brother Harris. I don't have to have somebody crank up the music. Y'all see the form we've got in? Start a church services every way at the same time. Know who's going to sing, what they're going to sing. Know who's going to talk in tongues, who's going to prophesy, who's going to shout, who's going to run the aisles, who's going to cry, who's going to weep, who's going to snot. And when we get through, nobody's life has changed. Nobody's any deeper in God. Nobody's grown in God. Had nothing changed. It's what Jeremiah said. He said, the summer is past and the harvest is ended and we are not saved. We ain't brought nothing in. We ain't brought in any souls. We ain't done nothing but gathered inside of four walls uh, and had a good old emotional crying snot slinging time uh, talking tongues a little bit uh, and we're leaving the same way we come in you want to finish this and I know y'all looking at me but is it the truth so basically we've come to a dead end and ain't nothing going to change until we set our heart to seek God, to be baptized into His death, to kill the carnal man. I don't need to pray for more power. I have miracles. Y'all seen miracles right here at this church. Y'all seen miracles under my tent when I was in Batesville in Oxford. I've had miracles for years. Sister Patty right back there was at a, uh, was it in Birmingham? When that, uh, I mean, pain hit her and she absolutely passed out. They got a phone call to me and she was uh, incoherent, in pain. And I told her, I said, Sister Patty, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. I'm going to prayer for you. Found out what was a kidney stone. She had a kidney stone. She was here in service later on that weekend. Spirit of the Lord came on me and I took my glass of water that I was drinking. The Lord told me and I walked up to her and I said, drink that, Sister Patty. She drank it. Kidney stone, nothing. Never had no more problems. No more pain, nothing. God dissolved it. I'm not looking for power for miracles. I'm looking for a power to live clean, to live holy, to walk upright, to kill the carnal mind. For the carnal mind, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It hates God. It's going to fight you. It's going to oppose you. It's going to tell you the Word of God don't work. It's going to tell you everything about God ain't going to work. It ain't going to come to pass. It's going to fight you every step of the way. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The spiritual mind comes from Christ. 
Christ. That means the carnal mind is a spirit. And the only thing that's going to kill it and destroy it is for the spirit of the resurrected Christ to come in and take its abode in you and begin to put the carnal mind to death. And to do that, we have got to have a baptism and an indwelling in the Christ that this generation has never received. Not received it. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you get this, Christ will begin to be revealed. I mean, I've heard people's testimonies for years. They get saved. I mean, just out and out sinners. Their testimony. Well, the Lord saved me and I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I quit chasing women. I quit chewing tobacco. That was their testimony. Nothing was ever said about I got rid of my anger. I got rid of my bitterness. I got rid of my envy, my strife, my backbiting. God changed my carnal nature. Gave me His divine nature. Gave me the mind. See, those testimonies never came out. Why? We've never had what it's taken to put the carnal man to death. We've never had it. Now, this is the baptism the Lord wants to take us into. Is He going to pour out the Holy Ghost in the tongues of fire? Yes, He is. Because He's got to do it to restore the government and the leadership that He put in the church in the beginning. The church ain't under the leadership of the New Testament. Y'all get mad at me if you want to. But the Lord told me in 91, He said, the church is under wrong leadership. He said, I didn't raise up New Testament church to be led by the prophet's ministry. I raised up the New Testament church to be led by the fivefold ministry. That's the Word. That's the Word. He said, I'll give you apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What did He give them to us for? For the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry. The ministry ain't working like it needs to because we're working off of pastors, evangelists, and teachers. Every now and then somebody will pop up and say they're a prophet or an apostle, but most of the time they just got a business card, a three-piece suit. They're just looking for recognition because the signs of an apostle, they told Paul, said the signs of an apostle follow you. You have borne the signs of an apostle. I asked the Lord here a while back because he told me in 2015, and I ain't blasted it all over the, uh, of the world. I ain't went and got a business card that said Apostle John Metter. I didn't do that because I knew the Lord called me and I would grow into this apostleship. But the Lord told me in 2015 He had ordained me to be an apostle. After 43 years, the Lord has ordained me. And I asked the Lord here a while back, I said, what are the signs of an apostle? He said, the miracles, the deliverance. He said, the creative miracles, the thing. He said, I bore the signs of an apostle in you since the 80s. And I preached words that becomes sound doctrine. I don't preach a bunch of emotional junk. Most preachers preach, they're going to preach a good emotional message. It's going to make you mad, glad, or sad. Is that not the truth? We don't need that kind of preaching. We need something that's going to point us to a working of the Spirit of the resurrected Christ. 
that's going to bring in the death of the carnal man. Because as long as your carnal man's alive and as long as you are bound to your carnal man, you're bound to the lust and the desires of the carnal man, you ain't moving forward in God. You ain't. You ain't got victory over it. And there's a lot of good people love God that want to serve God that they're bound to their carnal man. They'll go so far in God and the carnal man will... The carnal man, the, the enemy ain't stupid. He'll let you go so far and he'll knock you down. He'll knock you down because he don't want you to reach that place where Christ is revealed in you, where that mind of Christ is revealed in you. He don't want you going there. And I know I'm probably being long preaching, but and I've got a lot I wanted to cover, but I want to get this point out. I want to get this point out, and I'm going back to Romans 6. We're going to look at these for just a minute. And I may have to pick this up tonight and do some teaching on it tonight. just depends on where God takes us. Now, let's go to verse 3 in Romans 6. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death. This is not water baptism. Any of y'all ever seen... Water baptism kill the sin nature. I mean, the way we used to say it, you can be baptized so many times, you know every tadpole in the bottom of the creek by name. But it, water baptism don't change. Water baptism is an outward confession that your sins have been washed away. You are not buried in a watery grave... And you are not dead to sin by water baptism. It don't happen. You've been baptized? Did your sin nature die? I've been baptized two or three times, hadn't you? But sin nature didn't die. You probably have an earnest of the Holy Ghost. And you know the working of the Spirit of God. But your sin nature still ain't dead. And it's simply because we have not received what fell at the day of Pentecost because they did receive something to put sin to death in the flesh. Our generation has never received it, and that's where we are right now. That's why the church is in the deadness it's in right now is all we've tried to do is shout, praise God, and talk. Man, if the service ain't high, we'll get it high. We'll crank up the music and let's have church. You get people shouting, you'll get them talking in tongues, you'll get them praising God. But see, it don't change anything. That's my whole point. There's nothing wrong with worship. There's nothing wrong with praise. But it doesn't kill the carnal man. And this is what we need. We need a baptism. It's going to baptize us into his death. It's going to kill the carnal mind. I can fast. I will subdue my carnal man. But the very minute I eat... My natural carnal man's coming back alive. Know what I'm talking about, Brother Harris? Been there, done it. I've done it. My son's done it. Brother Michael's probably done it. So see, it's got to be a working of the Spirit. It's got to be a working of the Spirit of Christ. It's going to go down in you. And do something more 
than just give you a power of miracles. This is why we've got to have the former rain. This is why when he said in Joel 2.23, he hath given you the former rain moderately. But now he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter rain in the first month. For years. See, I know the first month of Jewish calendar to be April, right in that area. I think it's middle of March, middle of April, something like that. But our our April coincides with the first month of the Jewish calendar. So I thought in the first month, and for years I believed God was going to give a an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the spring. I mean, I preached it, I believed it, I prayed for it, I fasted for it. I didn't doubt the sincerity of my heart. I come here in July of 2015, sitting right back there in that office. I was going to preach that night. It was a Wednesday night. If I remember right, I was sitting right back there in that office, and I was reading the, and, and I was studying, and the voice of the Lord spoke those scriptures to me. He said, the first month is not the literal first month. He said, it's the sign and the type of a new beginning. He said, because that first month is spring. It's the coming forth of new life. It's the coming forth of newness. It's the shaking off the deadness. And he said, the moving of my spirit is not in the literal first month. He said, that's a type of a new beginning. And that's when the Lord began to show me we're headed into a new beginning. We're headed into a new beginning. You ain't going to resurrect. Ninety percent of the people in this, what we was raised in, what I was raised in, you ain't going to move them. The Lord told me in 96 and 98, he visited me, and I won't go into the visitation. But he told me, he said, all those that come up with you that were out there like your mom and daddy when you was being raised, he said, most of them are going to die in what they believe. He said, just like the children of Israel died in the wilderness. He said, they're not going to go over into this new move of God. He said, you'll have some Joshua and Caleb's. He said, but most of them are going to die in the wilderness. The Lord spoke here Wednesday morning. Such a, We prayed about two hours, and such a power, powerful spirit of prophecy moved in here. And the Lord said, I'm bringing forth that chosen generation. I'm bringing forth that holy nation, that royal priesthood. He said, I'm getting ready to bring it forth. He said, but I've taken a generation to bring people together to govern and be in leadership over this church that's fixing to come forth. you got to have leadership. you got to have leadership. And I'm going to pretty much stop right here because I feel like I give you a lot to chew on. <laughs> but I want to say this. This is something the Lord told me last fall. He said, when at the end, I don't ask for these things. God just brings them to me. He said, when I poured out my spirit on the day of Pentecost, now y'all listen to what I'm telling you. He said, that was not the lay members, or the, the, that was not the church. Sometimes I ask the Lord, why do you do these things to me? Why do you mess with me like this? Because when I've got to tell people what you tell me, it messes with them. 
He said, that 120 in that upper room was not the lay members of the church. He said, that was ministry. He said, when I poured my spirit out, he said, everything that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12 on the gifts, the operations, the administrations, he said, that happened on the day of Pentecost. You look at verse 28 in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, I gave, he said, I set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. At that miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. That's what God placed in the church on the day of Pentecost because by the time the sun went down, they had 3,000 people in the church that had to be ministered to. You don't have ministry gifts. You don't have people that's received the Holy Ghost like we need it. They can find their place, find their calling, and work in the government. There's got to be government in the church. I'm a pastor. I pastor L.J. Brother Michael's pastor here. Brother Harris pastors. We may believe the same basic gospel, but every one of us are going in a different direction spiritually, more or less. And there's no unity. There's no leadership. We don't have apostles like Paul and Peter and James and John. To be the government of the church and the leadership of the church. When they got so on Paul's case about circumcision, he wouldn't preach circumcision. What did they do? They went up to Jerusalem in Acts 15 to all the apostles and the elders. They fasted and prayed, and they come to a conclusion, and they sent a decree out to all the churches. There's no government for the churches today. There's no central government. There's no prophets that are the eyes of the church. There's no apostles. See, Paul wrote three-fourths of the New Testament, but Paul did not go in and set his own doctrine. The doctrine was set by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. Am I making sense to anybody today? We've got to have a restoring of the New Testament move of God. We've got to have that order. We've got to have that government. We've got to have that leadership. Well, Brother Metter, ain't nobody ever going to pay attention to what you're preaching. That's why God's going to raise up a brand new generation. Bringing a brand new crop. How many times has the Lord told us? I remember God telling us back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, He's going to bring in a new crop. Did He not tell us it was like a burnover over field? Underneath saw new growth. Do you all know the church today is a burnover over field? It's a burnover over field. There's new growth coming up underneath. But I'm going to tell you something. The new growth coming up underneath, it's got to have a new anointing. It's got to have new ministry. It's got to have new leadership. They're not coming in under this. They're not going to come in under this deadness. Not going to do it. So I'm going to fight for an act of God. Everybody I can get to listen to me and press with me and pray with me and believe God with me. See, we started in February. The Lord told me in January. He said, you start February the 1st, you start praying for our nation. He said, you take that... Scripture in Timothy to pray for those that are in power and authority, the kings of the earth, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life. We start praying for our president. I don't care if you like him or not. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent. Don't give a care. 
what goes on in the nation politically. I don't care how you see it. God told us to start praying for our nation, pray for our president, pray for God to protect him, give him the mind, because God put him in there. You may not like him. I didn't vote for the man to be my preacher. I voted for him to be my president. He's a carnal-minded man. He's done things that ain't pleasing to me and ain't pleasing to God and probably ain't pleasing to you. But I done had two different dreams about him that God put him in office in February when he, in 16, the Lord visited my mother-in-law and said, I'm going to put him in office. And said, just like he is going to drain the swamp in the politics, he said, I'm fixing to drain the swamp in the church. But it's happening. It's happening. Because the move of the Holy Ghost God's bringing in, fixing to bust all this politics in the church up. I can't stand politics and religion. can't stand it. I hate it with a passion. I hate it with a passion. When I got saved, give my heart to the Lord back in 72, and I tried to get revivals, I'd go to meetings and I'd talk preachers. I don't know you. I didn't ask me if you, I asked you if you knew me, I asked you to pray about me coming for revival. Well, I'll pray about it, you liar. Never prayed about it, never cared to pray about it, didn't want to pray about it. I was in a meeting back in the early 70s. There's a dozen preachers. I'm talking about I had churches run five, six, seven, eight hundred people. And I went up to a preacher, and I said, I've been praying. And I said, Lord, laid it on my heart. Come ask you about a revival. He looked at me. He said, okay. He said, I'll let you come. Gave me some dates, set the meeting. Turned around and talked to another preacher. He pointed me out. He thought I was somebody else. It wasn't ten minutes. He come over and said, well, I thought you so-and-so. I thought your daddy was this preacher. He said, you can't come to my church. That's politics. That's wrong. That's wrong. So see, I had to get on the street and preach. I had to fast and pray and seek God. I used to go to nursing homes and preach, go to hospitals and visiting hours, pray for the sick. God started moving for me. I told God if he didn't give me a tent, I was going to go out in the woods, cut me two pine poles, dig holes, put them in the ground, string me some lights, and start having an open-air meeting. God gave me a tent that year. I meant business. I had my first tent revival in Rome, Georgia in 1978. Didn't have a travel trailer. Had a square in 30 by 50. Hung a curtain in the corner. Had all my clothes hung back there. Stayed under the tent all day long in the hot burning sun. About 6 o'clock, I'd go down to the corner service station. Shave and wash in cold water, put my suit on, come back to the tent, preach. Everybody left, I'd turn all the lights out, go behind the curtain, change clothes. Couldn't get a shower, didn't have no way to spit bath or wash up. And I'd walk the grounds all night and pray. And when I laid down, I laid down on a piece of full-baked carpet. It was my platform, went to sleep on a blanket and a pillow on the gravel. That's where I started my tent ministry. Had a burden, still got a burden. Still going to do what God's called me to do. I've had God give me thousands of dollars worth of equipment and thousands of dollars. I've flown overseas and preached to thousands, but yet I've preached to a handful. Used to evangelize and raise a hundred plus thousand dollars a year. Now I'm lucky if I can raise ten where God's got me. But I'm where God's got me. 
Is it going to stay this way? Oh, no, sir. No, sir, it's not going to stay this way. Because I done had visions of revival checking Australia, New Zealand, the Philippines, India. My son's fixing to go to Africa. There's a visitation that's going to baptize us into his death. And when we come into that visitation that will kill the carnal man, the power of God's going to be there because there ain't going to be nothing to hinder it. I hope this word's been a blessing to y'all. I didn't get off the first set of scriptures, and I probably got a dozen that I'd like to share with you. But we got tonight, and then we got tomorrow. I may have tomorrow night, may have all next week. Just depends on how the Spirit moves. I'm telling you, something fixing to break out somewhere. The Lord spoke to me the other day and told me, and I, I told I told the pastor yesterday, I got in touch with him. I said, now, the Lord told me to be at your church on the 1st of October. He told me to stay a week and for you to leave it open for another week. There's going to be an act of God in your church and where you're at. I said, it's up to you whether you believe it, whether you let me come or not. But I can tell you this, if they don't, the move of God will go somewhere else. Because when God tells me there's going to be an act of God, there's going to be an act of God. There's going to be an act of God. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Because see, I believe God. I believe God. And when God tells me something, I'm just crazy enough to believe Him. God reveals a word to me. It's just like I said, I don't have to step out here and, and, and roll here, but Michael, let me tell you what God told me. You think that's God? I don't have to do that. I'll call Him up and say, Brother Michael! This is what God spoke to me. Man, I'll roll it out and I'll say, I'll email you notes. I'll email him seven, eight pages of notes that I've studied out, put my thoughts in, put the scriptures in. And if I don't get much response out of Brother Michael, I know he's meditating on it. That's all right. Young lady, would you come right here? I want to pray for you. You've been on my heart all service. I know a little bit about your situation physically. Is everything all right? Did you get a clean clean checkup? You're not worried about it? That's good. That's good. And I know by the Spirit of God, God's hands on your life. There's something down in here that really wants the reality of God and wants to do something for God. It's like every way you've turned your whole life, you've been hindered. It's like it's been one hindrance after another. If it wasn't something spiritually, it's something personal. And it, it's kept you in a... It's just like it's kept you in a warfare. But I'm telling you, God fixing to turn you loose. Go ahead and raise your hands to the Lord. God, I command a revelation of your word and a moving of your spirit to fall Mm. Bring it alive, Jesus. Bring it alive. Restore that spirit of prayer. Restore it, God, before she leaves here. You let a fire be burning in her spirit. You let a fire of your word and a quickening of your spirit be burning. In Jesus' name, you give her strength. God, you settle her mind. You settle her spirit. You settle her heart.
You let her take hold of your word in a way that she's never visited her, Lord. I'm talking about visit her with a fresh word. Visit her with a fresh anointing. Bring her forward. Young people are looking for something, Jesus. People are looking for something, Lord. Make her real. Make her real, Lord. Give her a place to expound your word. Let a spirit of prayer. God, fill her soul, Lord, till she shakes the very rafters of her house in prayer. Bring a kayasso. Bring a spirit, Lord, of righteousness and holiness into her home. Visit her children. Visit her husband. Bring a unity of your word and your spirit among them. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You stand fast on God's word. Hallelujah. You can rest assured of one thing. You called of God, devil's going to target you. You ain't going to do. It's like Paul said, the things that I would not, that I find myself doing, that that I would do, can't seem to do it. He said, when I would do good, I find this one thing. Evil's present to hinder me, and I cannot perform that which is good. The devil's always going to hinder. Amen. He's always going to hinder. He's always going to hinder. Brother Harris, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to start rebuking that spirit. It's a tormenting spirit. I'm telling you, when we get down to the basics of it, you're going to find out there ain't nothing to it that's troubled you like this other than a tormenting spirit. You start rebuking that thing. Tell him he's a liar. You tell, you tell him don't, don't entertain it. Don't speak it. Don't speak the words out of your mouth. You start telling him, Satan, you're a liar. Get behind me. You're a liar. Shut up. I bind you in the name of Jesus. You start speaking to him like that. You start speaking to him like that. I'm not going to pray for you until I feel led of the Lord, but that's what I felt in prayer this morning. You start telling that thing, shut up. Bind it. Bind that tongue. Tell it in the name of Jesus to be quiet. You're God's child. You're coming forth in that call. And I'm going to tell you something. God's fixing to turn you loose, man. If you'll listen to me, the Spirit of God's fixing to turn you loose. If I know what I'm feeling in the Spirit, you ain't going to stay at that church. You ain't going to stay bound up. God's fixing to turn you loose, man. There's a word inside of you. I've heard you preach years back. Man, there's a a knowledge and a wealth of knowledge in the Word. And all God's got to do is turn on that light of revelation. You think you're too old to evangelize? Man, you ain't scratched the surface. Hallelujah. I'm 65, and I'm sure you're probably close to my age in there somewhere. But God told me, He said, man, I'm fixing to turn you loose and send you around the world. I'm fixing to go around the world. I'm fixing to preach to multitudes. I'm fixing to have creative miracles. Why? Daniel said, I see a people that do know their God that shall be strong and do exploits. I I ain't worried about just healing the sick. I'm fixing to do exploits. Are you hearing me? I'm fixing to do exploits. God showed me years ago, I I walked in a church and raised the dead from the embalmed state. That's an exploit. That ain't just raising the dead. That's an exploit. I I ain't just going to have miracles. I'm going to do exploits. I'm going to part rivers. I'm going to tell the sun to stand still. There's a working of the Holy Ghost that's coming. That we're going to walk in that ministry of the Son of Man. And He's walked this earth. Hallelujah. He spoke to me in 2006 and told me I could walk in the power of the resurrected Christ. And then He asked me a question. 
Believe it, man. You're coming up, you're coming out. The Lord asked me a question in 2006, Brother David. He said, you won't be as I was or you won't be as I am. I said, well, that's a no-brainer. I said, I won't be as you are. He gave me the scripture, 1 John 4, 17, that as we are, as he, we are in this world, we can be in this world just like he is. Just like he is right now. But you've got to believe it and you've got to fight to possess it. You've got to fight to possess it. You preaching? You preaching? Get ready. Come here. I'm telling you, I just felt it, man. I just I, I never knew if you preached or not, but I just felt that word's in you. That no, no, you ain't a helper. Take your glasses off, Sister Harris. I'm telling you, I feel this. I feel the people. Newness, reviving. A newness of the Spirit of God goes down in you a measure of a baptism into His death. Mighty God, hallelujah. You saw that ministry right there. An authority of the Word stands up in you. Hallelujah. That word's in you. Stand. I'm going to tell you something. God's put the word in the calling. You better use it. Better use it. If you don't, God's fishing, give it to somebody else. Anybody in here believe you called? You believe you called? Come here, young man. Let me pray for you while I'm feeling this working of the Spirit. You called of God? Raise your hands up to the Lord. You feel this? Feels good, don't it? Hallelujah. How long you been, your heart been with the Lord? Can't remember? A couple years, three years, since you what? 12, 14, 16? Young? Okay. Hallelujah. Hmm. Stir it up, God. Let the fire of your word. Oh, man, I feel something going down inside you. Oh, my God, I feel something going. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Stir up this word, Lord. Open his understanding to it. Give him revelation of it. God, give him a heart to get in that word and study. Lord, when you touch my life, at 19 years old, I studied for hours and hours and days and weeks. Couldn't get enough of your word. Put the same hunger in him, Lord. Put it. Mm. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Sister Harris, I saw it. I saw an authority. I saw a word in you. Stand up and declare it. You don't have to be a helper. That word's in you. You know the word. You let God bring it alive. Because it's time to fight for this kingdom. If we don't fight for this kingdom, the devil's going to take over. This ain't political. This is the kingdom of God against the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of Satan's trying to take over. It's time to declare the kingdom. If we don't, if we don't get outside these four walls of the church and start declaring the kingdom of God, this spirit that's in 
the world's going to destroy our nation. It's going to divide it and destroy it because Jesus said a house divided can't stand. The church can't stand the way it's divided. There's got to be a unity. There's got to be a restoring. And that's what God's trying to do is bring in a restoring. He's trying to restore the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Bring people back to prayer. Bring them back to seeking God. If I can get people to go to prayer with me on a daily basis and petition God for this nation, we petition God for our nation, we petition God to raise up laborers to go into the harvest, and we petition God to give us an open door to the heathen. Because there's 60 million people in this country bound by idolatry. Did you hear me? 60 million people. Just about every Hispanic person you work with is a Catholic. You get around a Muslim, you get around a Jamaican, you get around people from India, they're idol worshipers. They'll work among you, shop among you, eat among you, go to worship God. They go in closed community, and they're bound by idolatry, and you ain't got an open door to them. Unless God opens it. It's time for God to open the door to the Gentiles right here in this country. Right here in this country. I'm talking about 60 million people have immigrated to this country since the 60s. They used to come in, blend into society. Now they come in and they make their own communities. And they lock the world out. You go shop among them, eat among them, fellowship them. But when it comes to worship, they're behind walls and closed doors. And they got you locked out. It's time for the gospel of Christ. It's time for the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. When he steps into that pulpit on July the 29th, by the wisdom of your word, by the power of your spirit, you take him in your hands and you use him for the glory of the resurrected Christ to be revealed. God, you use him for your glory to shine a light that the name of the name of Jesus can be glorified and revealed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's time to grow up in God. God wants to use people. He wants to gift them. He wants to anoint them. But there's got to be a maturity. There's got to be a maturity. People ain't mature. They ain't established. They ain't settled. See, Pat, how long have you been serving God? 59 years. 60 years. If you died tomorrow, what's your legacy going to be? What's your legacy going to be? There's a call there. Put it in action. Put it in action. I want to tell you all something happened to me the other day. I heard my wife exhorting about how the Lord led Jesus. Friday, I was there at the house, and I need to go out and do some errands. I need to gas the car up, because we always gas the car up, usually on Friday, because we make a two-hour trip to J on Sunday morning. And so, I was getting ready to go out and gas the car up, do a couple of things, and I felt let the Lord put a prayer cloth in my heart, in my pocket. We got a place at a couch where we pray side by side. There's usually a stack of five or six prayer cloths there. I just walked over and put one in my pocket. When I went and bought gas, there's a big, like a wholesale retail, you know, like a wholesale club, bigger than these Walmarts. And, yeah. And 
I felt led to go in that store. And when I felt led to go in that store, the Lord said, you're going to meet a lady that works there. I know her. We've prayed for her before. Her daughter just had brain surgery about two or three weeks ago. They found a mass on the back of her head. And I told her we'd pray for her, and I've been praying for her. I hadn't seen her. And so she usually works up front on the registers. Walked in, didn't see her. I said, well, I'll just go check on something. I knew it in my spirit I was going to run into her. Started down the aisle, and here she comes. She's on her break. She's shopping. I walked up to her, and I said, how's your daughter? She said, she had a setback last night. Friday afternoon, about 2, 33 o'clock, people everywhere. I just took that prayer cloth, Sister Harris, took it out of my back pocket. I said, you know what that is? She said, yes, sir. I said, you know the scriptures, Acts 19, 11 and 12. She said, no. I said, Acts 19, 11 and 12. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul from handkerchiefs and aprons that was on his body. I just took her by the hand, put it in her, put it in her hand, prayed the prayer of faith right there in the middle of the store. When I opened my eyes, tears were streaming down her right face. She said, God sent you to me. She said, God sent you to me. I knew when I picked that prayer cloth up off my couch, I was going to run into her and God was going to move for her. That's having your steps ordered of the Lord. That's having your steps ordered of the Lord. Well, what does she believe? I don't care what she believes. I don't know what she believes. What does she serve God? I don't know. The Lord showed me I was going to pray for her and send that prayer cloth to her daughter. And I believe God. And I told her, I said, I believe God's going to give your daughter a miracle and raise you up. I believe it. See, we've got to be flexible. If I died tomorrow, I'd have a legacy. Of the thousands and thousands of people that's been saved, healed, and delivered. Because when I come to God at 19, I went wide open to possess my calling. I turned down many good jobs with health plans and insurance and 401Ks that I could have had. And I got out work for myself and done odd jobs so when God opened the door, I could go preach. I didn't worry about things of this life. Wasn't interested in them. Wasn't interested in making money. All I ever asked the Lord, give me enough money to provide for my family. That's all I ever asked the Lord. Give me enough money to take care of my family. That's all I'm asking. And I went day and night for years, 22 years in evangelism. I preached over 300 plus times a year. Was gone, and people, when I tell y'all I was gone from my home three weeks out of the month, that's my son. My kids grew up without me because I didn't have, didn't know how to balance ministry. I was never taught to balance ministry. Now I try to teach young ministers how to balance ministry and family. It took some heartache, it took some sorrows, it took going through some things, but God taught me. There's a balance to ministry and family. And I wasn't taught it. All I ever heard was go, 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 go. Win souls, win souls, win souls. Go, 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 go. Forsake everything. Go, 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 go. And I went, 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 went. And I just about lost my family, lost my wife, lost everything I had. But because we prayed and our hearts were sincere, God kept it together. It ain't always been a bed of roses. But we stayed committed. We stayed faithful. We've stayed dedicated, and we've always put God first. That's why God moved for us. Y'all appreciate this service today? I believe this word's been good for us. And I'm going to take a few minutes here. i tell you what, Brother Michael, I think I'll just let you receive the offering. And please do your best to help us. We are in ministry. 
We do not have any kind of natural income other than what people support us with. I had a business when I went to LJ. Lord told me to sell it. I've sold it. We've sold equipment to pay our bills, but the equipment's about gone. And we, the Lord told me, He said, you give yourself continually to prayer and ministry of the Word, like they did in Acts, the sixth chapter. And God has moved for us for two years and moved on people's hearts to help us be sustained and do what we want to do in ministry. I believe God's fixing to turn this thing loose. I do. And I'm going to tell you, everything you put in my hand to help me, you're going to be a part of the reward. The Bible said, he that won a souls is wise. You can't win souls, you help me win souls. And everything you put in my hand, everything you help me to win souls, God will bless you with part of that reward. Because I'm going to tell you, it don't matter what you gain on this earth. When Elvis Presley died and they settled his estate, it worth $42 million. But the man went to hell. Called a God on his life, walked away from God, went for fame and fortune, living with a woman committing fornication when he died. And everybody thinks because Elvis Presley could sing gospel music, he went to heaven. That don't get you in heaven. Having your sins... Yeah, I wonder how Bobby Brown's feeling right now. He destroyed his wife and his daughter. Destroyed his wife on drugs. And there was such a love by that daughter for her mother. She died She she died the same way. She wanted to die just like her mama. Whitney Houston raised in church. Learned to sing in church. Learned to glorify and praise God. She's talked about God in some of her interviews. But I guarantee she didn't die with the Lord. She didn't die with the Lord. Ain't that a shame? Ain't that a shame somebody took her and made merchandise out of her? Worth millions of dollars. Boy, was she 40, 45 years old? Wasn't very old. And her daughter, probably 20 years old. Two souls right there destroyed. Somebody got to stand for truth. So I'm telling you, doesn't matter what you have in the natural. Doesn't matter what you achieve in the natural. You can have the best home, best car, plenty of money, pay your bills. If you don't invest in the kingdom of God, you don't invest in souls. Your life, you, it's in vain. Amen. I'm fighting right now financially. But I've invested heavily in the kingdom of God over the years, and I'm still investing in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to keep investing in the kingdom of God. I'm going to invest in it physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially. Because I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, where your heart is, my heart's right here. My heart's right here. This is what I labor for. So I'm asking you, do your best. If you somebody that you can support this ministry on a monthly basis, you get an envelope or you get my address before you leave. Because the Lord showed me back in 96, He spoke to me. He said, I'm going to give you 300 people. It's going to help you with $100 a month. The day ain't here yet, but it's going to, when I start going all over the world, I'm going to need that Gideon's 300. And God's going to bless the people. 
There ain't anybody that's ever stood with me financially can't tell you. They'll tell you God's blessed them. Why? Because I take everything God puts in my hand and I put it in souls. I win souls. Amen. So I'm just going to turn this over to Brother Michael. I appreciate this man. When God told us to leave here in April of 2015, he stepped right in. Left a good paying job. I'm talking about what? $80,000 a year? Left Coleman, Alabama, him and his wife. Come over here, quit his job, started passing that church. She worked as a uh, a nurse, done wound care. And it wasn't very long after that she quit her job. And they both come over here to pastor this church. And they've had to put up with a lot of junk. But there's a day of reward. There's a day of reward. Y'all appreciate this word? Give the Lord a good praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord? Hallelujah. Just come on. Hallelujah. And, uh...